1: Welcome to Steelers Outpost Podcast, Episode 9. Well, this weekend is much like that cleanse, that week where you say and you swear off all fatty foods, salt, and alcohol. It might be good for you, it might be good for the team, but frankly, I feel like we're in the doldrums without having had a game of our own. It might be good for you, but it's
2: definitely bad for your loved ones and the people surrounding you and the colossal feeling of emptiness inside can really not be replaced by patriots or excuse me Seahawks versus redskins or something like that it, everything pales in comparison good news is our foes fell and they fell hard so that's the only joy i can take from this past weekend which was the most boring weekend in at least the past 9
1: so nick and tom here enjoying a a bit of schottenfreude as they say watching the misery of others and gleefully prancing around in the first place of the AFC North.
2: It's glorious. It's excellent. But the Steelers, yes, they're on a bye this week. Perfectly timed bye directly in the middle of the season. They've played eight games so far. They've gone six and two in that stretch. That's tied for tops of the the AFC in general. The Bengals and the Ravens, who the Steelers have uh, already beat both of them before, they've done their part in pretty much knocking themselves out of the AFC race, losing multiple games each, and they seem to be on the slide. So everything is looking good for the Steelers in the standings as far as their competition goes and, and, and as far as what they've done for their record. But there's obviously a lot that the Steelers need to work on heading into the second half of the season.
1: So that's what we're going to take, take the opportunity – in this show to go over, take a look back at the season and do a little forecast of the uh, second half. It does throw our showmanship in the spotlight to see if we can flex from what is our normal course and uh, editorial calendar here and and, kind of change things up a little bit. First thing we're going to do is in uh, looking back at the season is just take a look at our identity. It's something we did in the first show and we tried to figure out who is this team and Frankly, after a couple couple games, I, I don't feel like we had the sample size. But after midway through the season, I think things are becoming clearer.
2: Yeah, we know what this team is now. Remember one of the themes that we said throughout the first four weeks in particular it, it was regarding that sample size. like, we don't really know if the passing offense sucks. It does. Uh, we don't really know if Le'Veon's off to a slow start and he's going to get better. Well, it turns out, yeah, he did get better. But now... The team identity is forged. And while they're still improving, this is actually a good thing because a lot of the teams in the NFL do not know who they are and they don't know how they want to win. But the Steelers have realized what their formula is. And big-time credit to Coach Tomlin for realizing that early, particularly in the sense of realizing that this team isn't going to be the 30 points a game, bombs away, passing offense, and really switching to the Le'Veon Bell show after trying to open the, the season with a bunch of five-wide stuff. But anyways, we're going to break down the offense or we're going to break down the defense. We're going to talk about what the identity is and the things that they're going to have to improve on. So I, pretty much covers it right there. The offense, there's been some real underachievers on the offense. Obviously, Ben's going to be the primary culprit. We We've seen him... Kind of lose a few facets of his game that have been a big strength, and we're going to kind of explain what we think about that. Um, but he's going to need to keep improving. Le'Veon Bell, after a slow start, has has sped up, but it's not quite the dominance that it was last year. The offensive line has done great in pass protection, but the run blocking has it could use some improvement. Luckily, they're going to be getting back Marcus Gilbert, hopefully, for this week. And they are set to go for the second half of the season. Steelers are a ball control offense. That's what this team is. And they are just a couple deep shots away from really tearing this thing open. There were a couple games that they probably wouldn't have lost if they connected on those deep passes like they are so used to connecting on. And there's a couple games they probably would have turned into blowouts. So. While it's kind of like pulling teeth watching the Steelers so far uh, play down to the level of their opponents or whatever you want to call it, they are really just a couple plays short uh, of some plays that they traditionally make, particularly with the deep ball stuff. They're a couple plays short of really becoming a dominating offense.
1: But I think that implies that they are going to come up with those plays in the future. And apropos of your earlier comments, I think we know the identity of this team. Ben uh surprising i was looking at the next gen stats and he is for, fourth for i'm not sure how they quantify this stat but uh throwing the ball into the tightest windows but long ball from a long ball standpoint he's just not he's just not as sharp as he was for whatever reason i think after eight games we see he just doesn't put the ball where he used to so that's okay because we found another way to win interestingly as i was going through the stats for the first season the Steel you you mentioned how we're a ball control team and we move the ball between the twenties. The offense ranks fourth in terms of time of possession in a game, 32 minutes mm-hmm. per game. And and that sort of bears out because we can grind out some long drives before uh Boswell comes out for the three.
2: Inevitably, right? Well, actually that goes hand in hand with the other stat is Steelers rank third in trips to the red zone. So The red herring, the big elephant in the room is the same crap we've been talking about every single week. It's two big ones. The huge one is red zone efficiency. If they can just bring that up a little bit, these scores look dramatically different. And then the third down problem, the third down issue. Earlier in the season, we were frustrated because they kept getting themselves into third and long situations. Well, the encouraging part is they fixed that. They're getting in less of those situations now. The discouraging part is they're still not converting them. But this is what I was saying before. I'm encouraged by the fact that they have improved in these things. And with Ben's deep passes, listen, it's not pretty like it's been the past 14 years, but he has started at least hitting them. Like the the deep pass to Juju on the first play of the game against the Lions. You could say he underthrew him, but hey, at least he he hit the guy. Um he had a nice one to A B. Uh, that was sort of a jump ball situation, but it was more of a back shoulder type of deal. And, and I, I do think that he's starting to improve in those. And there is reason to think that he will continue to do so, at least hopefully a, a little bit more.
1: Well, if I don't want to sound like the IBM Watson, but uh, there's some more interesting statistics that bear that out. Ben ranks third in intended air yards. Some more advanced statistics. How far he's throwing downfield from the line of scrimmage. But he right. only ranks thirteenth in terms of completed air yards,
3: that's so quite he's still sure he's see, yeah. still
1: throwing it downfield. He's actually leads in in that discrepancy. So uh, he's trying, and I maybe it'll come, and maybe Mark Davis uh, will be interjected back into the offense, out of the doghouse, and back onto the field.
2: Yeah, so that that's pretty telling stat, and I think that after having. Eight games to look at. There's something that I feel uh, explains why Ben is sort of up and down the way he is right now. The best thing about Ben Roethlisberger over his career is that he has evolved. He's evolved his game from total Sandlot playmaker for the first like five or six years of his career into a guy who melded that ability to extend plays, punch people in the face like the Hulk— and a shrug off grown men and make 79-yard throws downfield on a frozen rope, he combined that with an ability to make some more pre-snap reads and throw more from the pocket. And then as he got even older, he stopped making those plays outside of the pocket so much, but he was really shuffling and buying time inside of the pocket, much like a uh, Paul Bunyan version of Tom Brady or Dan Marino or something like that. Well, now that's kind of gone too he's really at this point in his career and and i think this is the only physical decline you can see is his reluctance to scramble or or move around at this point in his career he's really trying to become like a traditional field general and i think he's just going through some growing pains with that and the intent you see he's trying to throw deep he's trying to do these different things um and he's he's just got to get used to not he's got to get used to throwing on timing and not just buying time and, and seeing his guys open. So I think it is encouraging to see that he's fourth in terms of trying to throw in a tight windows. Cause that really hasn't been his MO. So I think he'll improve at that, how much it's going to be, you know, I don't think it's going to be Ben from two years ago, but if he can just improve a little bit from where he is right now, some people think he's a disaster. He's not that far
0: off.
1: No, not a disaster at all. Let's talk about a, a concern we both expressed and uh, that's Le'Veon Bell's share of the pie. He has, uh, has acquired the most rushing attempts in the NFL, and he's third in total yards, but he is buried deep in the statistical listing of yards per attempt at number 31. Uh, so we we have expressed a concern about those carries where, you know, he right. does seem to warm up, but there's part where he's red hot too. And how many, how many times do you need to be exposed? Of course, I think he's one of the reasons for winning. Uh, albeit the last game, he was he was relatively quiet. Well,
2: his yards per carry are definitely down, and that's from I think it was four point eight, four point nine, all the way to three point nine. It's weird to see Le- see Le'Veon in that three yard mark, considering that he's a human Adonis who can do whatever he wants on Man. a football field. But we've been pointing this out all season. We're basically just recapping the same stuff that comes up every week. I don't think that's because he's playing worse. I think that the maybe the first few games he was still trying to get back into it. Uh, I, I actually don't even really think that. I think that after the Browns game, he was pretty much back. But this line hasn't blocked as dominantly as it did last year. And they've played some incredible defensive fronts. Like the way the season has turned out to be, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Jaguars have three of the best defensive lines in the league. And then you know what the, what the Ravens and the, and the Bengals can do. So. His his average is down, but it looks like but he's being effective, and I think that there's some some defensive lines that he'll be able to take advantage of, uh, moving into the season, and and uh, hopefully they can start getting him a little bit more involved in the pass game.
1: Yeah, I was going to say he's not seeing the ball uh, in the flat as much as he was; those bubble passes aren't materializing. But back to your point, uh, De Castro had one disastrous game, but it's really it seems it's been Ali Villanueva who who really struggled and sort of retro went in retrograde for the beginning of the season but fortunately seems to be uh more solid in the last two games so as you said hopefully this uh offensive line which had i wouldn't say it was banged up i mean we've had one guy missing right what, one, every one of the last four games i believe but chris hubbard you know more than a journeyman i think he stepped in well and um who am i missing
2: yeah, he's played well. I mean, uh, DeCastro had one bad game, but DeCastro's really turned it back on. He's yeah. playing like superstar DeCastro again. I think that the line's going to keep getting better as they go on. And I do think that they played some offensive, def- uh, like awesome defensive lines so far. But you got to admit, last year at the second half of the season, no matter who they played, when they played the-, the Ravens last year on Christmas with Brandon Williams still in the game and that incredible run defense, they ran all over them. So you'd like to see them get to that level of dominance. But what I'd like to say about the offense so far is there is very gradual improvement. Ben's hitting more of those deep passes, um, even if they're not as pretty as they used to be. Um, I think that the Jaguars game is a little bit of an anomaly, and he's had some crazy throws. But overall, he's protecting the ball a little bit better than he did during that playoff run. There's a lot of room to grow. But you can tell this year this is a much more mature team. They just sort of know how to win a little bit. And, you know, they're they're grinding out these wins and they're getting the yards when they need to. And they really are just a couple, you know, just a little bit better of a red zone percentage. Um, they need to just improve that a little bit and the team will improve exponentially because now you have a better defense to work with than you did the last year. So from that standpoint, you got to be happy with where the offense is at. So you want to talk last- about A.B.?
1: Now one last note about the offensive line. The offensive line has afforded Ben a lifestyle in a smoking jacket and some nice slippers with a nice cigar and a glass of port. He was untouched hmm. back there, sitting in his leather chair reclining, as he spies his does his reads across left to right. Sometimes and seemingly having at a. B. nothing but time as he microscopically spies on AB. Well, but he has got great protection. And I, I did take a look back, and um, I think we're at 10, 10 sacks throughout the season. Last year, he had a total of 17 sacks. It has just gotten progressively down from 10 years ago when he was sacked uh, uh, 50 times. That was back in 2009. <laughs>
2: That was right around, uh, that was right after that Super Bowl year where he was sacked 46 times. They ended up being in the Cardinals. And definitely some of that was on him for extending plays, but do not get confused. Those offensive lines were putrid with the pass blocking. So it's nice to see people keeping him upright. So you can't underestimate the value of that.
1: So, last on the roster for offense, we're going to look at the wide receivers.
2: Indeed. So, again, this episode—it's kind of cool. If you've if you've been listening to all the episodes, you're going to see some of these themes have arisen with us. The red zone thing we talk about all the time. The other one is we grade all the positions uh, by the position group, but we grade Antonio Brown separately from the wide receivers because they're doing something completely different. And we almost we have minimal um, like. We have minimal diagnosis on him every single time or minimal uh, analysis on his performance because there's not that much left to say. He's unbelievable.
1: Do you want me to say it? Say it. First in receptions, first in targets, and first in yardage in the NFL. And the guy makes jump ball catches. He wins more
2: one-on-one balls than any sub-six-foot guy in the league. He has a a miracle like every couple weeks. He just... Right when you think he's going to slow down, he, he seems to get better. And just the amazing jaw-dropping plays he makes on a week-to-week basis are incredible. And he really is the lifeblood of this team. He's the guy that you can count on every single week. I understand there's a good argument for Julio Jones or Odell as the best receiver in the league. But I think the argument is just as strong for AB. And he's the man. And, and for my money, he's the team MVP still uh, to this date. Now, one of the biggest issues going forward into the second half of the season is seeing if we can get a second fiddle to A.B. I think that was potentially the biggest thing that derailed the Steelers from getting to the Super Bowl last year, but that was more due to uh, the epidemic of injuries breaking out so that we had to start Kobe Hamilton. So we need to see if Martavis can get at least – some of the production he had before while realizing it's probably not going to all come back. We need, we just need the threat of Marty and hopefully Juju can build on that huge game that he had against the Lions. And as far as the other guys, Lions and some of these guys, I'm not really l- reading too much into that, but somebody needs to take a hold of that number two threat because that's going to open up a lot.
1: So, um, we're going to talk about the defense in a little more truncated fashion because we have a special guest to join us. Pat will, uh, angry Jets fan will be joining us to regale you <laughs> with his analysis of the New England Patriots. I think Pat probably exceeds Nick in his, shall we say vitriol for the uh, Boston team. That so the defense, uh, just as some statistics second in points against at 16.4, they, they, they've pr- proven to be a, quite a stout defense this year. And, I uh, am super happy, especially with the defensive line, it seems. And that, that's my job on the podcast. Stare at the guys with their hands on the ground on the line. And the penetration's been awesome this year.
2: It has. And, and the roster is stacked. You know, you got guys you can really count on. And Hargrave looks like he's almost as good as to it and Hayward, which is something we, we saw last year. And we were looking at going into this year and he's only improved and you finally got some depth again with the and, and Walton actually doing a solid job as well. The thing with the defense is just like the offense. It's very encouraging because they were already talented to start the year, but they had some major and very specific flaws that they have since improved on probably better than the offense. And that was that C gap gashing run epidemic they just kept giving up these massive runs in the first half of the year, and it looks like they've cut down on that in recent weeks. They also were kind of folding in the fourth quarter despite how well they were playing. They've cut down on that in recent weeks too. So they are pretty much tops of the league or top four in the league for almost every major category. And on top of that, just the roster alone, it's, it's such a fast defense that there's a lot of things to like about what they've done, and it's the most encouraging thing is to see their improvement.
1: So as you pointed out, a, a couple of thoughts. I mean, as you pointed out, we, we suffered a lot of uh, big chunk plays early in first half, first quarter of the season, which put the Steelers in 26 in, in um, ranking in terms of rushes per attempt or yards per attempt at 4.5. But I think what you need to do is normalize that, as we would mm-hmm. say, to uh, remove those chunk yards and see where we are, because that really seems to have shored up in the last two games. We're fourth in sacks and um, second in terms of pass touchdowns. Uh, we've only allowed four this game, so the defense. Uh, I guess we need to see them tested one more time. Matt Stafford went did as performed as predicted and uh, eviscerated the uh, secondary. Although we we hung on there, but. Um, we're probably going to see a couple more of those before the end of the season.
2: Well, the just to kind of wrap up with the defense, I just want to reiterate the amount of talent that they have. Ryan Shazier, probably the defensive MVP, if, him or Hayward. Um, so you have some guys who are really flying around. You have a little bit more talent in the secondary, but Artie Burns is kind of the big question mark for me. He is really up and down, but when he's down, he is very far down and he has a couple mind-blowing uh, just mishaps per game. But the the other thing that they improved on was that red zone defense. That was, I don't know if it was last in the league, but it was bottom three in the league and then they played lights out against the Lions. I think going into the second half to kind of tie the two together, there are two major stinking elephants in the room the one is on the offensive side and that's kind of ben ben has people worried like we said we don't think he's as far off uh, as other people might want to claim and the other thing the other elephant in the room is the pass defense has it gotten better since that afc championship game Uh, so far, not really, but I think that first test against Matt Stafford got some things on tape that they'll be able to look back on and hopefully they'll be able to improve on that.
1: So, yeah. And I'd like to also highlight the play Sean Davis and the recently uh, acquired silver bullet. Not that he's a superstar yet, but there we're getting some, some good performances around there. So as you said, um, really the question mark is the cornerback position and we shall see. But now we're going to end the session on the defense, and we're going to bring in our special guest. Uh, We want to say hello to a friend of the show. We've invited on to have a special conversation. Uh, Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you
3: very much, uh, Uncle Tom. Good to be back.
1: Well, you were on our original show called The Sultans of Steel when we were practicing, and uh, we had some really robust conversations. Pat has deep knowledge of the NFL, He uh, brings a wealth of knowledge, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation.
3: Yeah, Nick and I pretty much catch up uh, for about an hour every Monday to discuss football. So I'm assuming someone thought, why don't we just record it? Right. Well, we cover all the
2: bases, and for everybody listening out there, Pat is a huge Jets fan. So his hatred for the New England Patriots even eclipses ours. So he's pretty much has a lifetime of experience of um, not only hating the Patriots, but learning about them and seeing them firsthand. And we have constant discussions about the evil empire. And I think that we'll be able to bring a little bit of insight into what those bastards come to offer.
3: Yeah, it's so deep that uh, at the beginning of the season, when things were looking dark, I ended up not watching Jet Games, but rather uh, looking up old Patriots losses on YouTube and watching
2: those instead. Oh, so sweet. You know what the best (laughs) game of the season was so far, actually? The first game when the Patriots lost.
3: Which I missed, because I just assumed they were going to win.
1: So well, did
2: I. And I not, tuned in for the glory.
1: Well, Pat, that's you can a, uh, you can use our NFL Game Pass uh, password and watch glorious coaches film over and over and over again.
3: Yeah, I really just look for game. the sacks and the hits on Brady, of course, number twelve.
2: Well, if the Steelers want to beat them, they're going to need to get a few of those hits. Ladies and gentlemen, segue. So we just wanted to talk about. So, like we said before. All roads lead through New England, and if you think anything other than that, you are stupid because you're wrong. And if we get lucky, we don't have to play the Patriots, but let's face it, the AFC is super top-heavy right now, and it's really set up for the Steelers and the Patriots to meet. Obviously, they're going to meet in a couple weeks, and that could have major implications on who's going to get the first seed and therefore the home playoff games um and then you know we'll get to the playoffs when we get there but i think the schedule is primed for the steelers and getting that first seed would be huge i just don't know if the steelers where they're at right now would actually beat the patriots because patriots are the steelers big brother long and short that's the story of it there's certain teams we talk about this all the time who just have a one-up on other teams steelers do not have any problems with the Chiefs, no matter how good they are. Or the Bengals and the Patriots never have any problem with the Steelers. Only apparently the Ravens and the Chiefs can beat them, but <laughs> we've never beat them in any meaningful situations ever since Tom Brady has been there. So when's
3: the, it's when's the last time you guys played them in Pittsburgh when you were fully loaded? So like everyone was healthy and it was a, it was a true uh, Pittsburgh. Patriots matchup in Steeltown.
2: It's been a while because actually in the Steelers defense, the past three or four times we've played the Steel, uh, the Patriots, we've been without Le'Veon Bell or someone else that's pretty major. And that's kind of a problem. But the only time I can remember the Steelers victory is when Lamar Woodley got those two sacks and they put Brady into the turf and Ben only had to throw for 400 yards for us to get like a seven point victory over them. And that was just during the middle of the season.
3: So it's been a while. Here's how deep my hatred goes. Um, I remember that game. I was driving to Chattanooga on a Sunday night for work. I want to say it was 2012 maybe or 11. Hmm. And I remember pulling up to the hotel, turning on the TV and seeing – you guys blew them out that day. I want to say it was a 4 o'clock game. Right. That's all I remember. Yeah. It's it's not good. It's unhealthy really is what it is. But um, – You and I have discussed this. You and I have discussed it before. The only way you beat the Patriots in the playoffs is defense. Like that's that's the only way you can beat it. You're not going to outscore them. It just—I can't remember a time where they've been in a shootout in the playoffs and lost.
2: Well, that's the big thing because last year, going into this this year, the taste in the Steelers fans' mouth was so bad because we were so thoroughly dismantled in that AFC Championship game. And, like, we did not belong in the same building as them. If you played them ten times last season for that AFC Championship game, uh, I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell wasn't playing, but we would have lost ten times. It was just thorough domination by the Patriots, particularly with their passing game. So this whole year, the defense is definitely better, but we were skeptical about the pass defense for the Steelers over the first, uh, like, seven games not only because they played a bunch of high school quarterbacks, but even those high school quarterbacks had their moment. So when the Steelers played Stafford last week, we knew that would be a huge test, and he just absolutely shredded them. The Steelers, to their credit, they played really well and stopped the Lions five times within the red zone. And that wasn't just the Lions imploding. like The Steelers actually played really well in the red zone. I can guarantee you, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and McDaniels and those guys, they're not going to get stopped five times in the red zone. And I don't know how the Steelers, like, th- are they going to get that much better playing against Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota and Brent Huntley? And then they got to go play Tom Brady. It doesn't look good for this first meeting, honestly.
3: Well, and here's what Belichick's going to do, right? He's going to take away something. You know, like, I think he's going to try and take away AB or he's going to take try and take away Le'Veon. And I know um, it seems that you can't do that, but he's just going to say, you're going to have to beat me with one of your hands tied behind you. Your back and it seems like you guys are so loaded you can do that what are you I mean but I've been watching following you guys as closely it's yeah
2: that's not the case right now and that's why it was frustrating when that championship game you know last you didn't have Martavis or Le'Veon and, and um I feel like when the Steelers had all those guys or even when they were beating the Broncos that year, when the Broncos won the Super Bowl At that point, I think the Steelers actually had enough firepower to win in that type of shootout. But Martavis hasn't come on. And the Steelers, like we were saying earlier, are really lacking a big number two option. Obviously, Juju is is really showing some great progress. But we don't really know what we have. Kind of our theory is if Ben and Martavis can at least get, you know, 70% of what they used to have. So there's that threat of the deep ball. Or you could even get Marty his one long touchdown against the Patriots. Then I'd feel pretty good about, you know, you can you can take away something, but the Steelers is gonna attack you on all levels. But where we're at right now, that just doesn't exist. It's just A B and, and Le'Veon right now. So
3: that's probably When Mart when Marteis was was the man, was he the number two or the number three? He was the number two, but I mean he would disappear for games at
2: a time. Yeah. But the thing is. He stresses the defense so badly that all you need is for him to get one big catch during the game and it makes a big difference. And then it opens it up for A B and it opens up for Le'Veon because they can't stack the box like that. So even if there's just the threat of him makes a big deal. And and now they do have a an actual Heinz Ward-ish type of guy in Juju who can make, you know, intermediate catches, which they haven't had for the last few years, even when Martavis was playing well with A B. It was just basically those two guys. So there's definitely I I think that the Steelers have slowly improved in that past game and I think that there's signs that say they could get that on cuz they they're really close and if they could have those multiple threats then I feel pretty decent about their chances but where they stand right now if they play tomorrow I don't I don't think they could win.
3: You think there's a mentality flood flows through all the the players in the Steelers locker room when they face the Patriots like can we do this? Do you think like any doubt creeps in? Cause you know, like when the Ravens would play the Patriots, they right. knew they could beat them, you know? Um, do you think the Steelmen have that?
2: I think that they're pretty confident with it, especially cause the defense is is pretty cocky on themselves, which is really a good thing, but there are all a lot of young guys and they've only had that one loss to the Patriots, that one big one, um, yeah. you know, Shazier and, and a lot of these guys on, on defense. So I think that they're more hungry for it. It might not realize what the true test is. But like I said, if you play the Patriots today, Steelers aren't ready for them. There's this um, sort of misconception that everybody loves to have about the Patriots if they don't play great in the first half of the season that they have a bad defense. Well, they we knew that they would button that up, and it looks like they already have. Like, their last four games, they've let up 14 points, 17 points, 7 and 13. So... That was against the Bucs, Jets, Falcons, and Chargers. So none of those offenses are as good as the Steelers, but where they stand now, it's not looking good. But I'm really encouraged with the Steelers like slow and gradual improvement. And if the and here's the other thing, the Patriots are missing some guys. Like that How tower loss is pretty big because I think that yeah. if you can get the, like a decent threat on the outside for the Steelers, particularly with Marty, then they can know you're going to run with Le'Veon and still not be able to do anything about it. So that would be the best place for the Steelers to be, just have the threat of the deep ball and then just pound them into submission.
3: Is Bernard Pollard still a free agent?
2: Can you sign we need, him? We need to get him in there or get him <laughs> into Tom Brady's house or something. <laughs>
1: Uh, Patriot killer Well can I just uh, Um, Since I know uh, Just an inch deep Into the material That you're covering But Tom Brady Has been sacked 21 times And and hit 43 times So the offensive line Looks pretty vulnerable So does that mean That there will be Less pressure on our young cornerbacks During the game
2: I don't think so. I mean, they couldn't even get to Matt Stafford last week with the worst offensive line in the league. Yeah, but that's because um, we've
1: saved the man man to man coverage until this game.
2: Well, that's the other thing I was gonna say. Like the big Let's national narrative the about the Steelers, the Steelers play more zone than any other team last year. And they got you can't just play strict zone against one of those top five quarterbacks, especially Tom Brady. And they played zone the entire time in the AFC Championship. It was a disaster. They talked all offseason about how they were going to start playing man. And you got Joe Hayden even, who's the, you know, maybe not in his prime, but he's still a better man guy than Ross Cockrell. Uh, so what they've done this year, in turn, they responded by still playing more zone than any other team in the NFL by like a long shot. So Doubling down. Yeah, Carnell Lake basically said like, "Oh, it's gonna be part of our plan. This man thing. I'm like, oh, so you're just gonna try it for the first time against Tom Brady and the Patriots? I, they, I feel like they gotta bust it out sooner or later."
3: Well, and UT, what's the trend on those sacks? Because I, I would be surprised if that's been consistent throughout the season. I would bet you just like their defense, because it's what the Patriots do. If every year or every other year they have some loss and it. Everybody thinks, well, this is not the same Patriots team. And then they fix, they make the corrections. And their defense improves, their offensive line improves. I would bet you that that the uh, those hits have gone down from game to game.
1: Point right? taken. We'll and do right a little now, research Joe, while you well, continue to chat.
3: Yeah. It's uh it's just you know, I, I, these these prognosticators, Nick, these analysts sit there and they overreact so much and I don't see I want to such short-term or uh, they just don't remember. They don't remember right. all the times the Patriots have bounced back. We all know they're going to fix it. They're not going to be dead until they don't make the playoffs and they don't make it again the next year. You know, that's that's the only time that I will be convinced that the Patriots are done. But until then, I'm going to be watching uh, the 2007-2008 Super Bowl on repeat. That's, that's today. <laughs>
2: I'm down to watch that, giving me some maybe some confidence. But well, you're exactly right, though. The best thing about the Patriots, and everybody should know this, by far is the coaching. They have the yeah. best coaching, unfortunately, in the history, in my opinion, of all team sports, based on the parity that is in the NFL and the rules that are set up to make sure that you can't dominate like they do, they do it with a different team every year, and they've been doing it for 20 years. So... Keep in mind that coaching is their strength. They tend to improve over the course of the year. The same thing is said for the Steelers. The Steelers are a much better second half team, uh, second half of the season, that is, than they are a first half. Like last year, I believe they went seven and one in the in the second half of the season, and like six and two the year before. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers usually do that too. So there's certain teams who who always chill at the top of the hierarchy. The Patriots, obviously, being the prime example. But then other guys like the Steelers, like who are always in the mix, where you got to take into account their, their coaches adjust better. So, yeah, the Patriots have gotten better. The one thing that I do say for us this year is that if the Steelers continue getting better, the Steelers have a more talented roster this time than the Patriots in a lot of ways. It's just can they actually unlock that potential And can they get some of those big plays that they need? Can they learn how to defend the pass a little bit more? And then if you can get a little bit more well-rounded, I think the Steelers could actually push the Patriots around a little bit.
3: I hope so. Yeah, I mean, you beat beat the Patriots. As we said, it's got to be defense. It's the only way you beat the Patriots in the playoffs. You don't outscore them. And the way you beat them defensively is you need one of two things. You need a masterful Defensive schematic game plan, right? That's what the Jets had in 2010 or the 2011 playoff game, or you need just a deep studly defensive line. Like the New York giants had in the Super Bowl in 2008, like the Denver Broncos had in the AFC championship in 2015. Right. You know, like that's how it's going to happen.
2: Well, the uh, Steelers don't have the outside linebackers for that right now, but they're inside their interior linemen are just that. It's definitely the best Steelers defensive line, man, potentially, you know, since that that Seahawks Super Bowl, maybe even better. You got some really good guys with Hayward to it, um Hargrave and even the backup Alulu, so they have some depth there. If those if Bud Dupree and TJ Watt can just turn it on a little bit more, that's what I'm saying where that that could be encouraging if I think the Steelers defensive line, defensive front has an advantage over the Patriots offensive front, but you you've got to stop them. You got to mix up some of these coverages a little bit because it doesn't matter if your players are better than the Patriots because their coaching is better.
1: So can I just interject? I did do my research. Um, So Tom Brady sacked 21 times. There was a game high five sacks that the Texans were able to tag on him. Pat, the jets, the only opponent to have zero sacks.
3: That sounds about right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But in the last two games, he's been sacked two and three times. So it's, it's kind of, it looks about three, you know, it's about three sacks a game. Not that you're going to win on that, but it seems that the pressure could be applied.
3: Oh God, I hope so.
2: So I think we've, I mean, at this point it's going to be conjecture, but you made a lot of great points about like, you can look through history and it makes sense why there's a few things that beat them is, is, you're going to need to get that great defensive game plan. You're going to need to be able to be a little bit more varied in what you do. And if the Steelers can start mixing in that um, that man coverage a little bit more, which, by the way, is also what they were doing in that 2011 or 12 game. They play more of that press man. If you can mix that in, then the Steelers are a good candidate for that because they've got some crazy defensive fronts and blitz schemes and, and stuff like that. And if you could just get a little bit more plays on the outside, then I think on a player-to-player Basis, the Steelers match up well. So hopefully they keep improving. And um I think that they they obviously they have a shot, but all roads lead through New England.
1: So, yeah. Pat, we want to thank you for joining us for the the insight, the uh just the the history you bring to the to the analysis. We really appreciate your time and for staying up late for this.
3: Always a pleasure, Serena.
1: We will have Great you have back you on, at our next opportunity. When, uh, please hit up Pat at P Butch at Jets Fan Angry Jets Fan. gmail.com. All right, Pat, we'll talk to you next time.
3: All right, have a good one, guys. See ya. Thanks, P Butch. Thank you. Bye.
2: So that was pretty enlightening. At least some riveting conversation always is with Pat, aka angry jets fan he is seriously knowledgeable on the patriots i almost to a serial killer level and i mean that in the most complimentary way possible because that's the uh, same curiosity that i take uh, regarding that subject but let's uh let's kind of wrap this thing up the steelers are going to be coming out of their bye. they're going to be playing the colts this week coming up i think um People tend to have this opinion that teams play better after their bye week. I don't know if that's necessarily true. You know, you get more time to prepare, but you also lose your momentum. You did some studies, though, on how the Steelers have done after bye weeks. What did you find?
1: Yes, I will just mention that I was locked in a windowless meeting room all weekend, uh, listening to report after report and uh, person after person who really enjoyed the sound of their own voice. So I had a little extra time to do some (laughs) snooping. And this means absolutely nothing. It's just a point of interest because what happened ten years ago has no bearing on this year. But I did go back ten, go back over the last ten years, and I went game by game to see what the results were after a bye week. And interestingly, from uh, the first six years, six straight wins followed by three straight losses. Uh, mm. It and really interesting if you chart out uh, Ben's passing attempts. He had an average of 30 attempts per game during those six wins, and it jumped up to a high of 54. He had, um, I think, an average of almost 50 passes in the three losses, and his completion percentage dropped. It plummeted like a rock to the bottom of the Allegheny from 69% to 54%. Again, all meaningless, kind of interesting. I was going through this, and I was just seeing win, 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 and then, man, they hit a, they hit a wall, three straight losses. So we're going to reverse that this weekend at the Colts.
2: Well, you know, what's interesting is the if they have three straight losses, that's the three years when they got back on track and gotten to the playoffs. So they were winning them after in those eight and eight years. And you're right. There's really nothing to say, but it is interesting. You know, Andy Reid is traditionally excellent with an extra week of preparation. It's kind of cool to look at Mike Tomlin's stats. It looks like traditionally he does well after the buy. And we know that he does really well in the second half of the season. So, The table is set for the Steelers. You know, let's hope for that good juju, pun intended, on the injury front. Let's hope that the Steelers can stay healthy. But they only play two starting quarterbacks for the rest of the year. One of those is big boy Tom Brady. But uh, they'll have a chance to get first place in the AFC and potentially some home field advantage, advantage regardless um, of that first seed, because they got a great shot at the second seed. And the Steelers are primed and ready to go. If they keep improving, at least you know, with that deep passing game, bring that up a little bit and stop other teams from passing just a a little bit more when they have a good quarterback. The Steelers have a super talented team. This is probably the most talented team they've had since those Super Bowl runs. So it's looking good heading into the second half. Now they got to execute.
1: I want to thank everybody for joining us for episode nine. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Obviously, we couldn't uh, use the same format that we have. But uh, we'll try to bring on guests. If you say you want to hear our guest again, you can drop us a line at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Visit the website www.SteelersOutpost.com. And you can read our blog post there. Download uh, download the podcast there or iTunes. So we'll hitch up next week. And with our usual analysis, usual insightful, incisive analysis. Until then, talk to you next week.
0: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences.